anything that you want us to introduce you as, or should we just jazz it? Um, I can go jazz, but like variations on a theme of Duncan. Um, I would say mystic turned financier turned artist, uh, spoken word poet, and waltzing through the fluid sea of life, Duncan Horst, here on the Highly Varlet Podcast. Fantastic. Welcome to the Total Clarity Podcast. I'm not going to bother doing an introduction because we just heard a fantastic one from Duncan Horst. Thank you so much for joining us. We're super excited to have you here. Yep, I am wet and happy uh, here in some kind of park in Chelsea. Yeah. With your two bright, shining, smiling faces, Farley in the pink, Jesse in the gold. Um, and you know, I, I just love, I love podcasting. I super love walking. Yeah. And I love the route that we planned for yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. For those uh, listening, watching, depending on your preference, we are in Manhattan for the first week on our long journey. And our first week takes us through Midtown, which was exciting for several reasons to have Duncan on. One, he recently was employed in the Midtown area for quite some time. And two, we're walking a route that is unique pretty much for the entirety of our trip because we're walking in a grid. Yeah, back and forth, up each avenue and over between 23rd and 59th Street. And we cover this entire area, just going back and forth in parallel lines throughout Midtown. Which kind of makes sense. So I was in finance for six years and scrolling through spreadsheets and seeing like Excel documents kind of looks like the street grid of Midtown and is the profession of the majority of Midtown by net worth. Mm. So it's it's an interesting way because you're like, I was at the top of one of the skyscrapers there. It's like at the 50th floor of a 50th story building. And looking down, it looks like you're paying this giant game of SimCity, which you essentially are. Yeah. And, and that's like, that is the job of, you know, the, the forces that move probably 70% of the world is like, designing the grid lines but then you're kind of polishing the eye on the pyramid on the dollar bill you're kind of like figuring out how to like scry or like build build throughways in the matrix yeah. or just like include more territory in the matrix so you're you're like just continually puzzling through one of the rooms on borgia's labyrinth and then like harnessing energy from the sluice ways to um <laughs> propel whatever uh, of your id fantasies have been compacted during the machine. So it's just like, you still express the totality or some variant of the totality of human experience. It's just like, you have a work hard, play hard, or like compact your mental and then figure out a way to either free it or become some kind of functionary regardless of how much money you make because you deaden your capacity to play and create. Yeah. So there, there becomes this like, this spring-loaded necessity to use the excess capital you harvest from Midtown right. to ensure a sense of like aliveness and play mm. there that um, is hard to understand if you're if you're not in it. But I guess the difference with some of these professions is you're completely fueled. So if you're neuroplastic enough to break out of the hyper-Protestant compound capital unto heaven, like 
raise Molech to the highest height right. and then donate it all to charity when you're 80 years old or something like that. So never even touch yeah. the potential energy harvested essentially from the world's soil. Right. If you can co-opt that, you can have a lot of fun while doing so and learn a lot about the world. Yeah. Right. And then hopefully you get out before you atrophy or become completely amoral. Right. Da -da -ba -ba -da -ba. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. But I mean, well, that, even for the, I'm sorry. No, I, no, I was going to say, well, that, that concept of collecting and collecting and collecting to then donate is that, that almost feels performative in a way, but it also feels like you're being a martyr in another way. If you're donating to a worthwhile cause at the end is the destruction that you're creating along the way. Does that balance out or like, you know, how does that pendulum then swing and what does your soul end up feeling at the end of that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it involves a good deal of hubris to think that whatever your cause you're donating to is enough to balance out or to even be worth the time that you spent getting there. But yeah, people can feel power, people can feel money, um, and a great deal of discernment is involved in making it a worthwhile delta. Yeah. Um, that said, the people who are moving the most of it, like if you're if you're like a mid-level human who is making actionable decisions, but you're still accountable to like the big cheese who's been doing it for like decades, you've still got to like talk a language that makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. Like if it doesn't make sense to them, you're you're just not getting in. So if you if you go full revolutionary, you're probably not going to be pleasant to work with, and right. eventually you just won't be working in that capacity anymore. Right, so and then it's not your choice anymore either. Then, it, then it's not your choice anymore. Um, it's, it's definitely necessary to screen out psychophants or people who are just like interested in power for, for power's sake and like want to use that or, or use your access or some idea because a lot of people just have fantasies about like oh you're involved in this therefore you can change the world I can't because I'm projecting my agency unto these other forces which I'm being victimized by but you're the good guy on the inside so it's in your hands now Bubaloo and if you you know if, if you fall short of that then um, then I can project my agency further onto the good guys that we had faith in who weren't able to do it. So there's this whole like extract projection, extraction and projection and the extraction from the earth is ultimately supported by people buying the goods and services that are extracted from the earth rather than like alternative vehicles. But then I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm like going on these like financial no, no. tangents. Um, you know, the, the bargain basement Walmart made of plastic stuff um, is often the only cheap alternative for a lot of people in a world where money is just being printed, printed, mm -hmm. printed, printed. The value of money is going down. The prices for real things are going up, up, up because people make them by hand and with yeah. love and it takes time, as you know. As I know. As you and know. as we know, this, this is something we talk about a lot and it's one of the main components of this project as well is what we're wearing and where it comes from and thinking about the labor that goes into that mm -hmm. and talking about unions as we walk around and each season wearing a different union shirt to represent the labor of the people. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's a that's a real challenge for how to make things accessible, but also not make things accessible in a way that is 
hurting other people that we don't see behind the curtain. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fewer better things, ultimately. Mm, fewer mm -hmm. better things is kind of the European model. And it's just better. Like, you, your clothes have more life. And that was the thing, too. I mean, like, the, the ultimate... I can go down some of these tracks as well. Um, dating in New York without committing is polyamory without communication. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was engaged in that for a couple of years to, to my, I won't say dismay, but it just wasn't, ultimately wasn't a good look because like the true wealth of connection, of love comes with yes, discernment, but also commitment. Mm -hmm. You're just not gonna get there at the two week month or one, you know, one month mark. Yeah. Like with person after person, you're, you're getting like, you're squaring the circle by like trying to build some conjecture of the center based on the variations of the surface of like a lot of, a lot of people. But that's right. also the same as like compounding your capital, like yeah. building up option value, opportunity value, keeping a portfolio. And there there are like people on Wall Street who have like spreadsheets for their dating lives and yeah, like yeah, Tinder yeah. profiles wow. and shit. Yeah. Insane stuff. Yeah. Um, but that that model of um, it's kind of a hedonistic reductionism, like a scientific materialism yeah. applied to the emotions right. doesn't successfully colonize them, but it does render the center. Of, of love, of agape, of those kind of values of charity, less and less accessible to those who continue to heighten those brain patterns. Mm. I actually won't say, it wasn't the norm in my office. The norm in my office was stable marriage, mm. two kids, uh, super expensive place on the Upper West Side, which is why you're compounding the capital to begin with, to be able right. to afford the preschool for like, yeah. for Jimmy and like to vacations in the Maldives. And yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but Jimmy's eventually got to get married to adhere with the hyper-Protestant right. ethos anyway, because otherwise, what would Jimmy be doing? Those are big shoes to fill. My brother's Jimmy, and he works in Midtown. <laughs> that's but his that's name. Not, not like, not like he's not about. a Jimmy. Like his name is literally yeah. Jimmy. It's funny that it just happened to choose that name. Oh yeah, you guys have you guys got something going on. Uh, he uh, actually was in town this week. Unfortunately, we, we didn't communicate. He came oh. in for the first time since March uh, because he had a doctor's appointment. Oh, wow. But, yeah. Jimmy. Uh, yeah, Jimmy. Big shoes to fill. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I want to uh, talk about the grid a little bit more. I had had some thoughts about it that I had withheld when we were talking on the phone oh. in the hall, so to speak, you know, leading up to this interview. But I think it also relates a little bit to what you were communicating to me on, on either Monday or Tuesday about we've had, you know, a bunch of walks that we've talked to you about previously to some degree, you know, yeah. our vacation walks. Uh -huh. And they are, in a very real sense, vacation walks, mm -hmm. which is to mm -hmm. say we set aside time in order to have that space and it exists outside of reality relative to our lives. And so we gain so many benefits from that that we continue to bring into this current reality, which is our New York walking reality. However, there exists some aspects of the vacation walk that have eluded us to this point. And I think for Jessie, it was becoming acute and she communicated it to me that she wasn't getting there thus far. Yeah. And for me, I was thinking about it a lot relative to how we have or started to accumulate 
different things that we want to do at any given week on the walk. We want to record. We want to do uh, just a 360 recording and then a, a GoPro like walk around recording. We want to do our use of force sub podcast, which is when we take a different use of force NYPD incident from the past decade and talk about it mm -hmm. and something that occurred along our route. We want to do the podcast, which happens either on a weekend or a weekday, but we're also planning around the podcast. I also have the stickers that I showed you as we were walking up here. Yeah. And I have put a, a quota in my head for how many I want to do on any given week. Yeah. So all of this starts creating a situation where it is very much not setting aside a time to be present. Right. It is uh, having tasks to do. And granted, there are, these are all things that I want to do, but there is a sneakiness to having tasks that you always must be careful of in a somewhat overlapping way to the idea of working in finance and you know being mindful of what you're getting into at any given time. And I think the grid was something that really clarified that for me this week because it is, you're, you're just walking on these paths and any deviation from the paths uh, can be troubling. You know, the second day when we were walking, Jesse uh, w requested that we go from 2nd Avenue all the way to 11th Avenue. Because yeah. it was a tropical storm and I was worried that we'd get stuck in it with all the wind over near the water and get blown into the Hudson. Uh -huh. I didn't want to get blown into the Hudson. Of course. Who wants to get blown into the Hudson? Yeah. Nobody. And so we, once we did that though, it then became very much uh, cognizant in my mind that we were off the path. And then thinking about mileage became very apparent and just the streamlined nature of this area to like try and remove chunks of human experience or like pathfinding, you know, to make it super simple, made it more clear to me that there were all these activities that we are engaging in that make up what the day is and start cluttering the mind and yeah. and and uh, yeah, taking away from the present moment, the navigation, the experience yeah. of what's going on. And that's the main thing that we walk away from with the vacation walks is that we're there, we're present, we're not using our phones except for to look at the map occasionally. We come back to where we're staying and we relax and we go to sleep and we wake up and do it the next day. And it's this chunk of time where we're just super in it and yeah, trying to find that balance now because we're not on vacation. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's we're hunter gatherers, so we're we're programmed to find nuts and find berries and and store them and memorize the best berry finding locations and understand where the good plants grow and where the bad snakes are and. and and then, wait a second, if we plant this wheat, it'll grow in several months. So how do we do that? And then that coupled with like the information economy mm -hmm. um, and the, the progression of capitalism such that most of the means of production are already beneficially owned by corporations or individuals controlling corporations. Mm -hmm. So the next expanse of capitalism has followed the information economy into control of people's attention or people's brains and then like, how do we how do we maximize within that economy and do good there? Like how do we how does our 
share of the mind share have a beneficial effect on other people? Mm. How do we mind sculpt in a way that is that is good for them, good for us, and, and puts positive delta in their heads? And then, wait a second, um, do we do this white hat? Do we do it gray hat? Do we do it slightly black hat, but it's for their own good? Like, how do we build the social media profile? So. The hunting and gathering shifts from physical goods, which you can buy at the store cheaper than you can actually get them, to hunting and gathering attention share, which has been sculpted by the, you know, the, the grid line is, is based almost on like servers or microchips, just like everything sliding into place. It is the matrix in, in all but name only, and we're all, we're, we're recording this not just for posterity or so the angels are listening, but like as, we're, we're broadcasting signal. Mm. We're broadcasting signal of Haile Varlet. I'm broadcasting signal because some of these, some of these thoughts, and these are like relatively um, superficial thoughts because they're stored in my neocortex. Like if I really got raw and got into emotions, then I'd be, you know, like a Tori Amos kind of like, you'd be pulling the magician's handkerchiefs from my, my throat. I hopefully, hopefully we can get there mm. at some point. But like, this is just like stuff that I've absorbed about reality through research and through like looking at it and whatever blogs I read and all of it. Now I'm like contextualizing it and like regurgitating it as a Duncan node to a, to a Varley node and a Jesse node. And it's like, what, where, where is the frontier? Like this kind of manifest destiny ethos of like colonizing all existable land. And now we've done that. So it's like colonizing all existable neurons. I think it causes this really interesting predator-prey relationship for the attention of people that then spawns an evolution in a minority of the prey animals, which would be all of us basically who are existing outside of the um, share ownership in these like large attention attractor states. Because um, prey animals evolve in nature to evade uh, capture and being devoured mm -hmm. and so I think a lot of like the psychic phenomena a lot of like the resurgence in going back to roots and community and psychedelics and spiritual practices is naturally being accelerated as a way to resist um, these mechanisms that kind of turn on humanity in in the same way in a, this is a huge exaggeration because every every discussion um, eventually finds a shelling point at like Adolf Hitler. It just all Regis Hitler at some point. But like the idea... You said Regis Hitler. Yeah, Regis, Regis. Hitler. Um, Heil Regis? No. But, but, but like the, the idea that what um, King Leopold did in the Belgian Congo was simply done um, in Germany against Europeans in Auschwitz and in the concentration camps. It was like the same appropriate, strip wealth, send chosen people to, to extermination, um, is kind of the idea of like what happened to the land could potentially happen to people's minds mm -hmm. if there's not some kind of uh, noble alternative. Mm -hmm. So like capitalism as the tendency of all of life to be reduced into capital, reduced mm -hmm. into matter, it has classical satanic or uh, Zoroastrian tendencies painted into it if there isn't some kind of societal higher good that is raised above it. And, and so this is a far departure from the grid lines, but it's kind of like that. Like if everything becomes a grid that is rigid and fixed and kind of petrified, 
the only thing that can illuminate that grid is new life. And that's why like Broadway and the arts, there's this whole feminine shadow side and undercurrent to New York City, which is the only thing that makes that kind of vortex and accumulation mm. possible and sustainable without, I think, the entire thing freezing and atrophying. Yeah. Um, and Broadway happens to be the one that... I was just going to say that runs not off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know that, that that's some like heavy territory, but like I just kind of walked these streets for like um, for years. And I remember crying twice on my way to work in the tower because like I was listening to these musicals and I was like, rather be writing a musical or, or acting in a musical than finding the next company to invest in, despite how lucrative it was for me personally and how much it was actually changing my life and giving me that kind of like daddy issues buy-in from society that I that I lack for a while. Mm -hmm. I don't slag it. It sounds like I slag it. It sounds a lot like I slag it. But I was in a I was in some desperate situations and like for at least four of the six years it was super necessary for yeah. me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Two were probably needless and like grinding down the stub of the eraser. Mm -hmm. But four gave me that kind of like graduate degree in reality that I sorely needed as this like weird artist mystic, but like not knowing how to plug in. Right. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good that you were able to figure out when the time to detach was and then ultimately make the detachment because a lot of people know that they have to detach. I felt similarly at uh, my previous job yeah. where I knew that I had to go for a while and it just became a, a more of a, an issue of figuring out when to leave, which was why it took so long to plan what we're doing. How much now. extra time do you think? But the delta between knowing you had to go and knowing when to leave. It's a little confusing because there was the project that released and I wanted to stay through the end of that project, but knew that I shouldn't be there any longer. But then there was the period post-project, which was about a year, mm -hmm. where I, it was definitely like time to leave, period. You can't wait for the bonus. I, I stayed an extra <laughs> like two years waiting for the bonus. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like, it was like 11 months in and the bonus was looking great and then December the markets crashed and there was oh, no yeah. the oh bonus. Oh no. And like the, almost, the same thing almost happened the following year but like it would have been a much better the bonus the year before mm -hmm. because by then my motivation was crashing. My energy levels were not the same due to like yoga and meditation falling off and like way right. too many abortive relationships. You just like, basically it's like, here's my energy in a bucket. Right. There you go. Right. Oh man, aren't we feeling good? Yeah. yeah. Nobody feels good about that. Yeah. And so it was just like, there's this whole, there's a real argument for purity of motives with this kind of stuff. I don't, did, did you learn a lesson? I think that ultimately it gave me the opportunity to do what I'm doing now. There was a combination, there was a combination of there being another opportunity to kind of go to a new tier at that job that ultimately the very, 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 very short of it was that I don't think they were serious enough about the position relative to the energy that would have been required from me they didn't, to do it. The compensation wasn't there and was the, the creativity there? I think the, probably not. I mean, ultimately it, it appeared on face value, yes, but I think ultimately it just would have been 
a pit. It would not have been a situation that made sense. And ultimately, I respected my coworkers too much to take the position as well. So like it, that, so, so there was that angle. And then the rest was just saving up money. Like I needed to have a level of finances that I was comfortable with in order to endeavor on this. And so it just became a consequence, or there were certain things that I was doing in order to survive and everything, you know, ultimately worked out in the end. I don't think I ever got, I never got to the point where it was like so grinding that something traumatic happened that left a scar. But it was definitely uh, a long period of uh, exceeding patience and just recognizing that you know there may have been times where it was like well maybe this is okay and just recognizing that no it, there's never a time when this is okay like it 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 has to end and it's going to end at this point and you're going to move on and there's no version of this where it doesn't end you know so do you feel your life moved off the grid when you did that or how long did it take to degrid yourself if so that's a great question well there was a, it was such a uniquely surreal could potentially be described as psychedelic experience in that I put in my two weeks notice March 1st and then March 13th the entire company left the office so it wasn't just like it wasn't just like wasn't me just leaving last day. it was like if I don't work here nobody works here you know what, and nobody they, did, were they let go or no 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 COVID. I mean like COVID you know yeah like, COVID closed the city on March 13th yeah so last, like, day. last day yeah and so I did, they haven't returned to work since. I mean, they're, they're still working, they're working remotely. Yeah. But the, as far as the de-gridding situation, you know, I was very much both separate from everybody's experience, but in the same experience that everybody was having with respect to de-gridding, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just that I didn't have any external forces telling me that I had to plug in to some facsimile of the grid, you know? It was just exclusively my own decision making for three months. Well, you know, our decision making. Uh -huh. So uh, there was a period of degridding in a way that I think was more coronavirus related than work related, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, pr prior to this, we've been getting up at 5.30 every day, but prior to, you know, for the three months, much of the three months leading up to starting the project, I was going to bed at 5.30, you know, it was a complete flippening huh. where they're, you know, waking up at two or something and doing yoga, which has been great. I was doing it five days a week for a few months, awesome. all, all restorative stuff, basically to keep me limber for this computer work I was doing at the time. I made a feature film out of 80s uh, music videos and commercials and whatnot. What? And uh, yeah, made a bunch of so music great. as well to go along with it. And so, yeah, that was kind of the main thrust along with preparing ourselves on the podcast slash audio side. We did a lot of 360 videos of different uh -huh. locations in the city. We did our first five or so podcasts uh, without doing walks and things like that. So, But here, like, we're talking about degridding. And do you really think that we've or that you've degridded, or is what, like, this is on paper, these things, like making a feature film out of clips from 80s movies is a creative venture, 
But the way that you did it with giving yourself a deadline and working on it every day and doing yoga in order to sit at the computer, is that degridding? Like, is, like, what, you know what I mean? Because you're still giving yourself these things to do and it's still related to how we're doing these walks where we have the podcast and we have the videos and we have the photos and the stickers and all these things that are creative and we like them and they give us energy and fuel. But are we off the grid? You know, are we just using electric power now instead of the gas like we kind of spoke about earlier? off camera no one knows what we're talking about <laughs> are we finally using clean energy but we're still using energy to be on the grid I think and we, do we even know if we leave the grid we need to define <laughs> the terms of the grid you know it's such a broad thing I yeah. in some respects I yes in some respects no I if I think about what the grid means relative to how I brought it up earlier the idea of being okay with presentness yeah. in its truest version and does presentness involve creation yes it can at mm -hmm. oftentimes and i think a lot of the given that the the movie that i made is i think you know intentionally slash necessarily slash very i'm very aware of the fact that it can quite literally go nowhere I mean, it is all stolen content. There's not a shred of it that isn't something that is uh, bastardized from something else. Huh. So it it it's like in in the way that like Gorgeous. sampling yeah. music is you know something that where there was a period of time where there was a runway where in hip hop you could put out things that were sampled by other, and now it's much more you need to pay for it and things like that. Yeah. So it was very much about this idea in my head and and making it happen. And I want to show it to people and we'll show it to people, but there's, there's not much future for it, you know? So in that respect, it was present, you know, but some of these other things that we're doing and, you know, being on the grid, it's a little more ambiguous because we're making all these things. I would, I'd like to see them reach a broader audience. Success becomes murkier and essentially can become more and more baiting depending on how successful it becomes, mm -hmm. you have to be continually mindful. I mean, right now, I think our videos get like, you know, 10 views or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. despite all of our efforts to tag them appropriately. And, you know, I think that's But that's great. That's 10 people that are engaging. Even one view means that we've spoken to one person and we've had a conversation. And even just, you know, thinking about it in metrics and like numbers, we're, once we start doing that, then we're thinking about all of these interactions that we're having as just a number on yes. a spreadsheet. Jesse and I have a continuing dialogue with respect <laughs> to viewership. And Jesse is exceptionally mindful with respect to valuing the view. And I don't have any problems with that. I think that I would like to be able to create to continue to create an environment where it can grow organically. And that requires a lot of pre-production, post-production, a lot of mindfulness around a situation that might not potentially occur, you know. Well, and so it, that, that can be uh, anxiety rising in anybody to think that like, I'm doing all this work, why is it not resulting in anything? And you just, you know, you need to be very careful about those types of well, things. That's meditation, right? 
but that's also that's also the grid i mean in a, in a neural sense the grid is the neural canyoning of um, stimuli that we have introduced to the brain that creates these like similar pattern lines so it's just like you take a brain out of one work context it'll rapidly reassemble a different like higher valence higher like positive affect like version of that work um, in a in a new context so like you know putting putting you out of that into uh, production for videos maybe like a lot of the same type of work and even the same like environment but to a different aim and that that can be great if, if the aim is true and if it's like aligned with what we want to do um, there's also the potential for like deliberately scrambling the neurons so like restorative yoga is good because it it combines meditation in there as well like it's just like building up a level of energy in the brain without anywhere that it automatically goes and then once that energy is big enough through whatever mean whether it's like yoga or tantric sex or like meditation or amazing art that just like shifts your conceptions of reality or a massive dose of psychedelics you get a lot of energy in the brain with nowhere to go then it starts creating new shortest distances between point a and point b that can oxbow some of the redundant coils that were maybe necessary to sculpt your brain to the bureaucracy of your prior existence yeah or you know that that was honing the product of your mind to work in a bureaucracy to produce uh products within a larger team that now no longer exists so you just like cut to the core of it through any of those like more rhythmic or more limbic like code rewriting software yeah. Yeah, well, I think that the movie was, uh, does that resonates with me with respect to the movie because spent six years plus making other people's visions come to fruition. It was very much a production role that I was doing. Yeah. There were aspects that I contributed creatively and also I had a voice and a stake in what was going on, but it was very much a facilitator role. You were hurting the cats. And I was very, very satisfied with that for that period of time and learned a tremendous amount and could potentially return to that. But the Did movie making, me, yeah. yeah, the the movie making decision uh, was exclusively decision making that was mine, you know, and mine alone. Mm -hmm. And so it was uh, perhaps like an orgy of that for those, you know, that period of time. And uh, it was very pleasurable to be able to make all those decisions and to see it unfold and to have a vision that was uh, uniquely my own without having to have any mitigating uh, opinions, you know. Uh, I'm going to leapfrog off this to something else. The, with respect to the walking, something that's so fantastic about it, vis-a-vis -vis the uh, potentially uh, negative feelings associated with striving to do so many things at once. This is something that Jessie, I, Jessie can certainly speak for herself, but I, I, I don't believe she has a problem with. What is Re it? Relative to something that I have a problem what with. What is it? The <laughs> uh, suffering from depression as a consequence of not doing enough or not accomplishing or just a sense of incompleteness relative to pursuing your own things. And the thing about the walking that's so great, which was something that I had a theory about prior to starting this, and it's been great to feel validated is that that doesn't exist. Despite any anxieties or maybe an overwhelming sense of there being a lot to do, the 
physical nature of it is this like stunningly powerful yet subtle thing that occurs where it just fills in that dip. And it's a thing where it's like, I notice it only insofar as like, oh, there would normally be this thing here and this thing isn't here. Mm. And that's really interesting. And hopefully I don't, you know, we're on a wood table so I can knock on it. And, you know, hopefully that doesn't come at some point. But I'm pretty confident that it's, uh, that the physicality, it just does so much for the body in terms of alertness. You know, I don't feel like I need to nap at any mm. point during the day where it's like mm. in, your, in the normal course of a day, I feel like all I want to do is nap. Endorphins. Endorphins. And, you know, I think it's, it's more, much like if uh, you don't have caffeine for a while or something like that, and then you have it, and then you like feel it more alertly. You yeah. know, if we only go for occasional walks, I feel it in like the first 15 or 20 minutes. It's like, wow, I feel great. You know, like I'm ready to tackle the day. I don't necessarily feel that when I do it now, but that's only because like my system is just running on this and that's, it expects this. And it's, yeah. I, and, and you know what you're doing. Yeah. Your, your day is completely scheduled out and it builds this like low, it's not low level, it just builds integrity. Mm. I said I was going to do this. Right. I did this thing that I said I was going to do. It doesn't, well, it does matter what that thing is. If, if you've justified it in like the sense of some larger meaning making, and then you did what you said you were going to do, that's a success. So it doesn't matter yeah. the ripple effects. Yeah. Especially like, because so much of, of meaning is actually meaning by consensus or like, memed desires from like other other people create yeah. kind of the depression yeah. relations it's like oh i don't like i don't look like kim kardashian or i don't look like this or that or i'm, I'm not rich like these people mm -hmm. or i'm not influential like one of the 20 congress people that are the only ones we hear about in the news right. like yeah. it's all very selected and then you like just get a little bit of distance from that and it's like wait a second everything that is so meaningful that I'm told is so meaningful, like what is the meaning that I'm creating in my life? Like what is, what is the core that I truly would support in a vacuum mm -hmm. without, without outside stimuli? It seems like the walking must be super good for that. I think so, yeah. And I mean, I admire people that can have the narrowest of accomplishments thresholds, you know, if just licking an envelope and closing it was something that could fulfill me for an entire day that or that would be incredibly impressive you know and so the the trouble then becomes if that means that if you can fulfill yourself through that what are you doing with the rest of your time because there are so many snares that can make it so that that is no longer fulfilling and mm. the mm -hmm. uh with the walk that was the, the what you what you expressed was something that is something we communicated to other people when we were doing our vacation walks, which is the A to B nature of going from a destination to another destination right. was so inherently fulfilling that it, it we didn't need to be doing anything else. And we don't necessarily, I mean, maybe the fact that we return to the same point every day is a little bit mitigating in that, but I don't think so. I just think that it's this ongoing conversation that I know I'm having with myself where I'm not, I'm not a mystic and I'm not asleep. I want to be somewhere in between. I don't want to be a mystic because we, we've, 
he either we deem to put ourselves in this body or we are just happen to be in this body and we should feel okay with experiencing craziness and like the the wildness of the world and so you know while i have this body while it's well functioning i want to be okay with myself that i try and pursue all these things and you know yeah. and not necessarily think that it just has to be about the present moment walking it can be about other things you just have to be mindful much like your 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 job me at my job you know mindful that you don't let the pursuit overwhelm you you know mm. and let let it uh enrich you you know you're talking are you saying that you do feel accomplished at the end of the day like do you feel that same because that feeling that we've talked about and this is backing us up just a little bit but that feeling when we're on vacation where all we have to do is walk gives me the sense of accomplishment at yeah. the end of the day and i don't actually feel that now yeah. i feel at the end of the day i've walked 26 miles and i know that i still have more to do and like that is bizarre right like that's a bizarre feeling that i don't feel at the end of the day, when we finish walking a marathon, now I don't feel accomplished. There's an inculcation there though, right? Like it's because there's a vacation walk and a work walk. So you've mm -hmm. already made the distinction in your brain. That distinction is operating as like a governing layer for what you're doing. And so your sense of meaning making is on impact or effect or some larger thing that is outside mm. of the present moment. Mm -hmm. So you'd, you'd have to actually climb up the ladder of your mind and make specific point alterations to that layer in order to harvest that sense of satisfaction because that yeah. sense of satisfaction is coming from like a higher layer of abstraction yeah. within, within your psyche. And then you could probably knock that out in a day or two, like if you really if you really honed it, you know? Yeah, well now that we're talking about it, I'm, I'm like realizing that this is my current truth. And yeah, I've got to make a game plan for how to get that, that back. Well, we, we, exist, we exist in subtle dimensions that go far beyond what consensus reality views as true. I mean, consensus reality is just the exact center of the bell curve that is going to monetize the most minds and attentions. And then it, it, it goes like, the national level is the narrowest in the center, and then the local level gets a little bit broader, and then like individuals talking and blogging, you know, has mm -hmm. all the 10,000 things mm -hmm. under the sun. Um, but the, the, you know, the, the act of just walking can be incredibly productive if it somehow opens me up to these subtle realities where there is suddenly awareness in all of my joints. There's this like tingling mm -hmm. that's like flowing into my leg, into my toes. like. If I'm aware of my whole body as I'm just walking, that brings so much peace and calm to those around me. And it actually starts like, it can set up a flow where my crown opens and I'm just like connected to a stream of like thoughts that synthesize my thinking. And that gives me uh, a courage or a, um, a sense of sureness that is louder than any of my, um, any moral failings that I've accomplished or any senses of like not enoughness that's in my mind. Like it trumps, uh, no relation intended. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it overarcs anything that's happening on the mental level. If I can truly commit to not having those distractions come right. up. And I, I, I get the sense too, that like those distractions or those, those threats are like, the predation of the work world or the working for tomorrow or the wise mm -hmm. ant and the foolish grasshopper or like whatever fable you want to do 
is the mind trying to reassert itself, threatened by the potentiality of these fields? Yeah. But I will challenge you that, that you're not a mystic and that you don't do that. Uh, because you two have love. So like anywhere that love is present and uh, the courage of convictions is present and operating and sculpting your life deliberately from a higher level of abstractions like uh, PCCC does, um, that you have crafted and that you adhere to in integrity, that is mystical. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's really weird that it's not common but it's not common, and so that has an effect on, on reality and taps yeah. you into yeah. different streams. Yeah. PCCC referencing the Project Pillars, by the way, for those that aren't familiar with it. The, I, yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't, I won't challenge back. I, I think that it's more that it isn't the focus. I mean, it would, it would be lovely to get to a place where we are existing and that mysticism is happening without us actively like asserting mysticism onto the world. I think that's probably where the ultimate mysticism mm, comes from. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, right now I, th I think we're still in this sorting phase. Yeah. And I, I agree that I think uh, our, our love actualized through this project could be mystical energy for others and we'd be super happy to share that, you know. I. And I don't, I don't even really think, you know, not share it for our benefit. I mean, ultimately the sharing is a benefit. So it's not, it, it's just about getting there. And uh, how to get there, it doesn't feel like directly charting that path is the way that makes sense to me. It feels more like a, we need to get our own internal priorities straight and then it'll unfold, you yeah. know, if it will at all. You know, they, these, these are these are simple things that we all come back to, certainly that I'm coming back to it. Like it all revolves around love and integrity, mm -hmm. like love and integrity seem to be those those internal pillars and like everything gets sculpted around that. Like, do you do you do what you say you're going to do? Do you represent who you actually are? And do you care? Do you care deeply for yourself? Do you care deeply for others? Do you care deeply for the world? So. The integrity is kind of like a vertical mm -hmm. pillar within the self, right? Like, I am, I am internally consistent. I know what is true and what is false. I know where I am true and where I am false. I am, like, thus choosing truth rather than this, like, convoluted system of justifications. And then love is just, like, basically how big your, your body is. Mm -hmm. Like, how many... How, how, what, what your sense of self is. I think the Rosicrucians have a, uh, a three-axis cross. There's like an X, Y, and Z axis. Mm. There's the vertical of the cross beam, which is just like the, the God to Earth or the, you know, the, the frequency of vibration axis. Mm -hmm. So your frequency axis is the vertical. The horizontal is extending out on your level to the human world. So like all the humans in your community, everything that you can interact with as a human. So we're not talking ultraviolet, we're not talking infrared, but like that yummy spectrum in between where we like live out our days and like store our stimuli in these like gushy gray boxes <laughs> and, and like go it out. And then there's a rose sprouting out of the center of the cross beams, which is the Z axis, which is uh, love emanating. So mm -hmm. like, oh wow. So you're you're choosing you're choosing the vert to align the vertical with the horizontal, and then emanating out into it to give it depth and a third dimension with love. Mm. 
And I think that that is actually necessary to accomplish anything in the world. Oh, wow, yeah, that's wild. So what we're seeing right now in an outer reality after capitalism has like found its like greatest overreach is that it's beginning to collapse because there's not enough love to harness, to burn as fuel, to um, embalm as products and services. That um, that world is starting to become more and more cartoonish, two-dimensional, flat, and that love is starting to like really manifest and take on its own power of its own, whether that's like the wounded mother, like finally like stepping up for her rights or whatever that is, it no longer is subsistent to be like the teat that is suckling the world. It's, it's like it's stepping up and because it is withdrawing, the structures, even though they seem like big and nasty, they're looking more and more cartoonish by the day, these structures that subsist upon extracted love. Mm. But then the people who get co-opted and like run into these filter bubbles are also become flatter by the day that they withdraw from the love that animates and creates that third dimension. Yeah. So that's that's kind of like a, a, a space-time continuum in like Rosicrucian metaphysics, but yeah. it seems relevant. It is relevant. And relevant to the grid. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's really interesting. I like that. Yeah. I. Well, let's. Go on. Sorry, I'm also thinking about the grid in relation to that, where it's the avenues and the streets, and then the buildings are like the trying to be that vertical bar where they're trying to get closer to the god, and they're never going to get there, but they're trying and they're using these like love axis lines to try and propel themselves up. We broke up our backs to... lifting Moloch to heaven when yeah. Moloch was everywhere. When heaven is everywhere, not Moloch. Did you, um, did you read the essay on that as well? Yeah. There's a wonderful, I'll, I'll send you an essay on like Moloch, meditations on Moloch. Yeah. It's like 14 points on that poem. But yeah, I mean, Ginsburg beat me to the punch. I like thought I was innovating um, when I thought concrete cocks, but granite cocks is a line in Howl. No, in Moloch. Mm. Granite yeah. cocks, you know, and that's what they are. It's just like, it's the phallic principle writ large. Also, you know, one of the more efficient uses of space in a very space-constrained island. So let's, right. let's not, <laughs> no, it's, also it's like, all penises. It's not all Fuck the patriarchy, like that, bring them down. <laughs> we must have highly inefficient underground womb bunkers. It's the only way to save ourselves. Like, well, there is a functional reason. I fucking hate the Bauhaus too. It's like. How many discs can we cram per cubic centiliter of Mikrishmao? But like... I love the Bauhaus so much. <laughs> I got the Bauhaus. <laughs> I'm so Art Deco. I'm like, give me filigree and Baroque excess. Yes. Well, you know what I love about the Bauhaus, though, is how the it's like where the women came in. And I hate it at the same time because the women came in as partners to their male counterparts. Yeah. All Like Annie Albers was Joseph Albers' wife. And then... Um, they all like were just in the photos, you know, the way they're remembered. But they also were teachers and learners of, on their own. And all the textiles that came out of the Bauhaus are Frank, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright and, and his designs <laughs> pretty rad. I I like it on the individual dwelling level. Yeah. I even like it on the some skyscrapers level. Yeah. I just wish it weren't 
a unification point of mm. design simplicity and cost efficiency that we got stuck there for a century and we, as yeah, we have. And we're, still, we're definitely <laughs> yep, still there. Because cost efficiency, shareholder capital, send it all to the people who confound reality and buy islands and go fly out the Russian ballet teamed party. Like a whole bunch <laughs> of Bruce Wayne's without Batman. <laughs> Fantastic. That's our new theme song. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That's fantastic. I want to do. I want to say one more thing with respect to presentness before we should talk about the actual walk itself. Yeah, I think we've. I think we've been doing good so far. And anybody who stopped listening has stopped listening, so we don't need to worry about that. Timestamps. Yeah, like the. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, the. Uh, one of the things that I thought about before we started the walk, and it's something that I was pretty adamant about in my thought process, and also like pretty adamant about when I, when we started even talking about the project, was having space where nothing happened. And I wanted to have every Monday be a day where not, there was no sort of extracurriculars with the project and it would just be exclusively about walking. And that included like not taking any photos, mm. which people were like, well, what if you see something that is like exceptional? And then it's a question of like, well, then it's exceptional and that's just the way it is. It doesn't, you know, right. nothing more happens with it. And uh, it's been very convenient and easy to just start taking pictures because whatever it's just taking pictures or and then putting the stickers up has been like oh yeah well you know you can just put stickers up it's not like you're filming or anything mm. but it becomes very much like it, it doesn't matter that the action might be small what's going on in here is very different the action is yeah. very large in here and you know you have access to the stickers and the pictures and it's like a gateway to the rest of taking yourself out of that present moment yeah. and that yeah that's a good point that that was something we said and so uh, you know i think we probably need to return to that uh, mondays not doing anything at a minimum and then seeing how anxiety levels feel the rest of the week and then evaluating well how important are all these things to do versus the act of not doing mm. and also with respect to the days that you're walking with me making it that there is uh, a minimum of things that are happening while we're walking mm -hmm. and then maybe I spend more of the time doing these tasks that I feel I want to do on the days that are just me. Well, I, I think that like the more that you guys can make it a meditation, the more successful the project will be. Yeah. Uh, game A thinking is, is like this hyper competitive grid system where everyone is just like fighting for mind share and then inserting products into the void. It's like a lower trust value. Right. Because like people are inundated with different messages and like how do I trust this thing? How do I trust that? But like if you can really render it as a living walking pilgrimage, like walking meditations, whatever Zen Buddhism, like with your consciousness deepening with every step, then you are actively fighting Moloch. Then mm -hmm. you're actively um, creating a different stream. And if people recognize that stream, it's not even if people recognize that stream, there are forces that oh, yeah. will support yeah. you that recognize that stream and are like searching for a truth value that they can believe in. It's like Obama's first campaign. It's like hope, 
faith, love, right. trust, right. poster. Like, but it's not. It's not an advertisement. It's like yeah. if it's something that's felt with every step, then that is um, that is counterculture. Yeah. That is like that is truly. Um, that's a sideways vector. That's yeah. that's not even like protest counter protest. It's it's like living as the change. You know. Yeah. So it's a cool. It's a it's. It's a cool venture. I, I just think, you know, in, in, in like Bushwick, some of my favorite times were like learning how to run where I was so conscious of every step that like each impact brought a little shimmer of white light down my leg. Mm. Yeah. And it wasn't every time. And I knew when it was. And it's like I floated somehow yeah. when, when that was happening. And... I don't know how in some way, but like that made my interaction with monks better. That made, and my whole life has been the passage of thread through a series of needles. You know, like I, I, I haven't gotten any job that I applied for. Right. It was, it's all been through different connections and slumdog millionaire coincidences. And right. most of them predicated on a specific kind of feeling or immersion right. of, of feeling. And I, I think that can work for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's not because I'm like the special potato yeah. of of the Spud factory. I'm, well, you are a special potato, but there's but there's a lot of us out. Th- I mean, I'm yes. a special potato You're too. A special I think potato I have too. I have a similar story with my life work situation. Yeah. With a similar potato. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> with respect to like getting to the point of presentness in the walk it is I guess there's two things one I'm uh, I'm a little concerned that I would be setting myself up for failure because I don't know if I could get there but I think that's kind of a minor concern and also like you you, you don't know until you try mm-hmm. and then the second thing is that I do think that as far as the the doing aspect I think I'm out of the first gear which I think is doing for others in order mm. to receive validation. Mm. I think I'm in a new gear, whether second, third, fourth, I don't know what it is, which is doing it for myself because I only have so much time here and I, I like to be able to test myself and to do things and to like feel the experience and the validation of maintaining the integrity that you referenced, you know? And I, but I do at the same time think that that ultimate gear is the presentness mm. of of doing it, and so I, I'm stuck in that place where I don't want to feel negative feelings about myself for not getting to that place or not aspiring to that place all the time, and feeling okay and comfortable and feeling like this is this is a a true expression of humanity to be satisfied with doing things for my own impressiveness, you know, to be impressed with my Mm. own sense of will and spiritual energies, you know? Mm. Mm. So how that manifests with respect to all of these video game-like tasks that we've accumulated, making videos, making podcasts, putting stickers up, how that reckoning comes, you know, we're only in week seven of presumably 52 so this yeah we're still early this will manifest further in different versions and uh hopefully continually better ones we're all chipping away at the marble yeah yeah we should talk about the route we've done such a wonderful 
uh, time talking about the grid. We've talked about the grid, which is the root. Yeah. But the actual root, when we break it down. I want to, there's, I, you know, the, the buildings around here are not, you know, I'm very much a Brooklyn person. Mm. And this environment is not the Brooklyn environment, unless you're maybe in downtown Brooklyn for a small section. Yeah. I, the skyscrapers thing is not a thing that resonates with me mm. other than a visiting perspective. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it has resonated with me to some degree. Although the, you, you said you like Art Deco when we said Bauhaus. And I like Art Deco as well. And there is so much Art Deco around mm. here mm -hmm. that, yeah, looking, looking at the skyline and looking up at the skyscrapers is one thing. Okay, they're big buildings. But when you're walking on street level and you see inside the lobby mm -hmm. of many of these older skyscrapers and they have colorful tiles. I love it. It's when America believed in something. It's when we <laughs> stood for something. Progress, efficiency, the will of man. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to see. That's when you ring the doorbell. That's what happens. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> How may I help you? So, but what I identified was, I, I think I found a section that resonates with me most. And it might be that the, the virus is having a real impact on the mm. number of people that are out on the street at any time. I mean, Times Square is at a ghost town at worst, and then, then like a smattering of people at best. Yeah. But the section that has really stood out to me is Park Avenue between like 45th and 55th, right outside of Grand Central, the back end of Grand Central yeah. and the Helmsley building mm. from there to 55. And there isn't any like, aside from Grand Central, that's where it like, you know, the, the road stops at the Helmsley building. Mm -hmm. there, there isn't, to my knowledge, I'm sure there is a lot of history about those buildings, but there isn't, it's not like Empire State Building, Chrysler Building, you know, it's just a strip of, very tall buildings and there's something about it that really condenses for me the experience of the city in the most pleasant version mm. and it's all i think it's all like office buildings too it's huh. not like there aren't really any if there are commercial or like you know like a, a chopped or you know if there are those types of stores they're very organically built into the building so you don't really notice it it's all about the the buildings and nothing about like things that serve the buildings it's mm. a very pure in a way but also yeah. not it it doesn't uh it doesn't have that kind of uh like uh, there is no no spot in midtown that feels soviet so this is a very poor word the man in the yeah. gray flannel no, it's not suit. all the same yeah. yeah it's not all repetitive yeah. but it has like some unification yeah. and it doesn't feel like the small capitalist jerks are like trying to grab your attention, right? Yeah. You're able to walk through and sort of I don't know. flow. There's just something about it. And it only lasts, like I said, for like 10 blocks, maybe yeah. even less, uh, before it goes back to something different. I mean, that's, that's what we look for in our, our newscasters and our pop musicians and certain celebrities is like this kind of nondescript beingness that like we, just describe a quality to like mm. if we if we actually recognized it as something we knew we couldn't identify the city with it right it's it's just 
it's just this vibe yeah. and like any any like monster cock would ricochet us out of the vibe-ness it'd, it'd just be like about that one thing mm -hmm. right right mm -hmm. yeah i think so so it was cool to kind of find a spot for me that made the most sense within midtown mm. do you want to just go up and down the avenues sure so first avenue we have the united nations mm -hmm. which i had never walked by until we did a trial walk in uh, october. october of last year just to identify that we could do the mileage yeah and we walked past it then yeah and so we've been we've been walking past it all this week and uh it's a uh, it's interesting to be around there when there's no coronavirus yeah. or when the coronavirus is there because uh, there's no tourists or anything there's like that. There's normally yeah. like a long line of people waiting to get in, oh. people that work there, but then also they do tours. Yeah. So there's usually groups wanting to get in. But it is between that and uh, 11th Avenue, it's the only spots in the Midtown section where the sun gets in. And that's actually been nice because I've had to apply sunblock so much these past, you know, seven oh, weeks. totally. That I probably need to also. Yeah. I mean, in this area, you can get away with, well, I mean, I only apply once or twice, whereas opposed to every two hours. I'm the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah. I'm like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Like, yeah. I'm, you turn your phaser to me, I'm going to fry. Yeah. We, yeah, we have some in the bag. We'll get you some. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, I mean, that's the big highlight of First Avenue. There's Second Avenue. Yeah, Second Avenue feels residential and like a little town. Like it feels like more like a little town. The buildings are a little shorter. Yeah. There's like small bagel stores and small coffee shops and that kind of thing and not like the massive Starbucks. There's also a lot of hospitals over there. So we've been noticing like First and Second Avenue, we've been noticing all the people going to work in their scrubs. Yeah. Which is also something we've been wondering. <laughs> What the yeah. ethics and the moral or like the cleanliness I of did, wearing scrubs on the subway. I did look up an article yesterday uh, or a couple of articles with respect to that because it, you know, in my low or our low information uh, virology minds, it seems to me that wearing your scrubs to and from work is an opportunity to invite the virus in and take the virus out. There was an article from 2018 that put a damper on those ideas. Oh, really? And then an article, but it was like pre-coronavirus. Yeah. And then an article from April where somebody was, in a funny way, and funny in so far as they didn't want to attack the integrity of essential workers, but like just kind of putting out the question there, like, is this responsible for people to be mm. doing this? And, but there was no like, there was no definitive response from yeah. that person. It seems to me like if there is any possible risk, why, why do it, you know? And it, it, it also struck me as one of those things where it's like, you know, they used leeches to suck the blood out of people, you know? Like it's, it strikes me as one of those things where like 50 years ago, they wore their clothes that they're out on the street into the, why? Why did they do that, you yeah. know? I don't know if that's but the reality. But I don't reality, think but. like, if you're saying it's taking away from like the integrity of the essential workers, I don't think that. I think it's like whoever is making the rules maybe needs to just consider it. Absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this on like each nurse or doctor individually. No. But apparently, you know, people have been 
maybe going at them, you know, oh. on the street for like, why are you doing Ooh. that? Yeah. One thing that we've noticed, I think that is really interesting, disheartening about the city relative to, or to Manhattan relative to other boroughs, the lack of bathrooms in this mm. section of town that are publicly available is striking. Because we're sitting in front of a bathroom actually, which That's is locked funny. though. Oh, it is locked. Yeah. Virus. It yeah. is. But in other boroughs, we've been able to use the bathroom at parks and playgrounds, no problem. Hmm. So there's one in St. Varton Park, which was between first and second, which is why I bring it up. But that is very down and out of the way on our route. And really the only bathrooms that are available are Grand Central, Penn Station, and Port Authority. Port Authority, and Port Authority and Penn Station are very close to each other. So it's almost, I mean, in the grand scheme, they're like nine blocks away, but one avenue away. And relative to people having access to bathrooms, it's, uh, I don't understand how, I mean, I guess it's because, yeah, pay to play. You know, during yeah. normal circumstances, maybe I wouldn't think about it as much because I could go into a Starbucks, yeah, where's buy your a bottle of water. Where's yeah. your star, your coffee shops, they right. have bathrooms. Macy's, JCPenney, all those stores have uh, bathrooms. Yeah. But. I had to desperately go to the bathroom yesterday without getting into too much detail and was able to convince a, a young gentleman at the desk on Madison Avenue of my personal humanity. And he allowed me to use the restroom uh, without any uh, kickback at all. He, you know, I think he recognized that there's no reason that I should have been in this office building lobby if it wasn't urgent that I use their restroom. No, it makes, it makes sense. I've only gotten one public urination ticket, but I've peed many, many times in public. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine for doing a lot of things in public yeah. that I won't mention here, uh, but I think it'd be a fun game. I mean, you go like down into the, the end of like subway terminals and like most people won't get you. It's not a very expensive <laughs> ticket either. And, um, you know, for the satisfaction versus a non-zero chance that you'll be given a citation, yeah. uh, generally the citation, the, the satisfaction generated is worth more than that non-zero amount after counting in the fines. So I, I do leave my urine. I do leave my <laughs> urine in public places. And perhaps it does diminish the quality of life just that much for everybody. So it may be a tragedy of the commons kind of thing. But you can argue that the tragedy of the commons has already come and, and gone. And also I've drunk my own urine and it is sterile for 30 minutes afterwards. If you drink enough water, it's kind of a nice pilsner. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow. Yeah. It's like electrolytes. It tastes like, elect like Gatorade without sugar. <laughs> this might be something that comes up on a particularly far flung route. You know? Yeah. So thank you. For drink that plenty of water. Yeah. You, you don't, this was like, right. You I was like drink a lot of water. wearing a dress and I'd just gone to the mermaid parade yeah. and I was on a little bit of mushrooms yeah. and I got dared to do this by somebody in a stand-up comedy routine. Oh, it's all coming together. Yeah. yeah. So I did it. It was a good day. So then there's third <laughs> Avenue, which it's one of the few spots in the entirety of this route that has that, uh, neighborhoody vibe you know mm -hmm. we're kind of in the other area which is 9th and 10th avenue for sections although jumping ahead 10th avenue there's a certain point down here where it gets like like the next generation of skyscrapers is like very weird yeah it's like there are these buildings that kind of like 
angle down to the street and there's no like all the all the shopping is inside of the building but it was like there's this one particular section which i think i took some video of and i'll it's i'll play it over this now where i really i was like where am i what's going yeah. on this is like gattaca or something i like i like that it punches through the um the robert moses uh chastity belt mm. protecting the city from the water mm -hmm. um Right. You used to not want to be by the water because the water was stinky in the 1800s. Right. It smelled really bad. And now it's a little less stinky, right? Well, it's a little less stinky, but it's also like a reminder of nature. Because mm -hmm. like Central Park is like all the Stepford wives of all like the billionaires. It's like perfectly kind of manicured and like square and it's like a Brazilian wax of like nature. Right. You know, it's just like... Here it is. Right. <laughs> this is nature, I swear. I promise, this is what it's like out there. Don't leave the island. This is your nature. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't... We're going to Central Park next week, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this week we just touch the tip of Central Park. We don't go, we don't actually go into Central Park. No, yeah. But, but you know, I, I think that, like, it's not necessarily a permanent shift in city center. The city center was, like, World Trade Center area before 9-11 and then that got kablooied and then it shifted to Midtown and that was the city center for a while and Midtown's getting kind of tired and now Hudson Yards it's not quite the center but it kind of it shifts it to at least a view of the water and an understanding that New York is also part of a natural environment right crossing my fingers right <laughs> well and it it does come in in a time when people are interested in pretending like they're being good to the earth greenwashing is all the rage these days yeah i would find the hardest part for me on the walk this week were the named streets oh. because they were deceptive Why? you know the rest of the the rest of the route accounts and numbers well, they're yeah. not real they're avenues well no. Lexing lexington merges with third downtown Madison merges with 5th downtown, and Park actually replaces 4th. Huh. So I guess Midtown is just like the widest part of the island. Yeah. I mean, it, for a thing that's such a grid, you know, we it seems, it would appear like we're walking the 1st to 11th, but we're not. We're walking 1st to 2nd, and then we're walking three name streets, and then we're walking 5th to 11th. Well, we so it's on 3rd. Like, yeah. 1, I'm 2, sorry, 3. Right. Yeah. So it's just disquieting for the mind. And also, like, you, you think, like, oh, I only have a couple of more avenues to go. But no, there's, like, this chunk of three in the middle that really you have to kind of grind through one way or the other. Mm. Yeah. I found. I actually th like that part the most, I think. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, was, it seems like it's easier for me coming from 11th and working down rather than mm. there's something about it being in the earlier part of the day. Because it, essentially, once you're done with those routes, you are halfway through the day, but you're not halfway through the numbered streets. But if you're once you, uh, if you're going from 11th down, it feels much more like an actual halfway to get to fifth. I don't know. It's it, it's weird. Mm. Just walking on the grid for this long of a distance, it 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 just totally is weird. What your idea of like half full and half empty is? Yeah, time doesn't really it it really gets like silly putty kind of sad that i'll be bouncing off before we get 
into that dilation point. But hopefully I'll be able to join you when you're back solidly weirded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you might experience it too, because I feel like even just in a few back and forths, you're like disoriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speeding uh, way along, then we're in Times Square. Oh, we should talk about yeah. Grand Central just a little bit, just because it's a beautiful sure, interior. Yeah. yeah, Grand Central is such a beautiful place. I feel like the first five, six years I lived in New York, anytime I'd be in Grand Central, I, it was so important to me to like look like a New Yorker and like not be looking around and not look like a tourist and go to the gate that I need to go to to get on the train to get out of the city so I can come back into the city and speed through it again and not admire the city that I've chosen to live in. But now I go into Grand Central and if you actually look up, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Penn Station used to be like that too. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's not. They made a poor choice there. It's like a urinal. It's like a Duchamp. And then from there, you know, we go past Madison Square Garden and, oh, we had Times Square. We had Times Square and Times Square similarly. Yeah, Times Square empty. is just empty right now. They have, Except the naked cowboy is still there. Thank yeah. God. Yes. We did see, we saw two people taking picture with him the other day and like they're wearing their masks and trying to stay away from him and he just grabbed them both and pulled them in and took off his mask and it's like I mean I guess if you're taking a picture with the naked cowboy that's just what's gonna happen yeah you're gonna be ready for it yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly (laughs) konnichiwa (laughs) yeah yeah it's bad they have a there is a poster right up now for John Lewis sponsored by coca-cola it's nice to see uh john lewis being honored in some way it's a little conflicting that coca-cola's name is at the top of it yeah so i uh i actually catered coca-cola's 125th anniversary which also is the same year of the 125th anniversary of the statue of liberty on liberty island oh wow and as the coca-cola executives were emerging from the ferry to take them to liberty island to celebrate freedom and coke um in their red suits like red coca-cola suits right the dj in some fit of like transcendent splendor um played strange fruits oh my gosh (laughs) killer coke indeed Wow. The poplar trees. Wow. Yeah. Did people pick up on it? Did like you picked up on it? I but picked up on it people... holding my tray of champagne. Yeah. I was just like, I love that I am having this life experience. This really rounds out yeah. the incarnation. Yeah, that's wow. wild. I think that covers it for now. Yeah. I would like to hear you freestyle rap. Well, what's what are the topics? What's the topic? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I guess definitely the grid. Um. I was going to say bagels. Bagels? Yeah. Okay. And then, I mean, I was going to take it to back into what we had been talking about earlier with the um, being present and, and letting the third vector of love emanate. Do you need more topics or is that, no, that's, that's, is that too that's, many topics? No, that's pretty good. Okay. That's pretty good. So we got the grid, bagels, and letting the third vector of love emanate. <laughs> Yes. One of these things is just like the others. That's a good vector. 
a fountain has just come to life that's a, that's directly exactly behind the camera. Right there. Just right as you started singing. And it's a seal. Without further ado. Walking on the grid in the COVID times, if you want to get my mind in the midtown grind, yeah, I like coffee, but I don't drink that. Take it all fat if you want to chop that. Yo, chow mein, getting in the brain in Chinatown, but that's right down the drain, because we're going in the nine to five and stay alive. We're going in the grid to thrive. And if you want to high five me, yo, it's a rhyming Simon, getting on my stuff, because I'm five and diamond. Getting the vagal and I'm busting the locks. Take a little bit of this, doing more than talk. We can walk it with the creamy cheese spread. If you wanna get every word that he said, she said, we doing it too. Cause it comes with two. For one, if you wanna get a deal, Baker's dozen done, boom. Yeah, that's a 13 if you want to do that, yo. In the floor you never seen in the skyscraper building going up, up high. But you gotta get good luck or you're gonna die, shit. No, I didn't say that. Gotta quit this, gotta wear your mask if you're gonna resist the censorship. No, we can enter this spaceship and blast off like a granite cock down to parts unknown. Hail to the throne. Patriarchy never gonna be alone because the grid owns you if you want to take it. No, the grid loans you out for a day and then you get a little bit of this and give it back. Huh? Is you gonna work every day a trap? Huh? It's a trap! What? Macaulay Culkin, now you're home alone. Now are the words that I've spoken. The spoke of the wheel, it rolls, it rolls around. Getting in the grid like a spiral uptown, downtown. It's a vortex of world capital. Yeah, we got this stuff, financial capital. This is kind of Babylon, a world capital. Now I'm gonna Babylon because we're trapped it all. Now it all comes around, goes around. The Federal Reserve gives a free lunch down. Uptown, pound it with the Amtrak. Line. You get a little bit, my ass is on the line too. Boom, DC, New York, it's a zoo. And if you wanna come through, then you come through. And if you wanna cut through red tape like Kung Fu, then you gotta do that stuff like Jiu-Jitsu. You know that stuff, the ninjutsu, the force is in you. So if you wanna see this, you gotta course and then view. Boom, get it straight through because a grid is just two dimensions. And if you gonna be compressed into a cartoon, if you wanna get that, far noon you gotta understand when you getting in high noon to chopped or whatever salad venture you go for if you want to do this stuff no you get your order taken wound in a long line with people in the same blue suits taking all time huh yeah trapped in the grid tick tick tock how many spokes at the wheel does it take to stop if you're gonna break the drop and drop the nine to five you got to stay alive and not lobotomized by a robotic time that goes in the grid line that cuts in the mind and gets that stuff left behind hmm, yeah some dead end of evolution that preys on the mother and sows more confusion in the grid making the grid factory that replicates midtown to infinity insanity humanity divinity will break through if you let it spin with ease sin in me no some apple of eden some apple store cathedral that we haven't been seeing we eaten yo some kind of plastic acrostic acoustic yo you lost it but you found it boom in the third line rosicrucian yeah you get the cross that is a solution vertical vibration horizontal humanity but love sprouting out can end the confusion and if you really 
really want to start it over then. Smell the rose and then Rover Dover. Stay in the moment every step you take. Otherwise, the car could hit you with the first mistake that crosses past. Everybody does the math. The grid takes you if you're gonna cut in half. You lost that bath. You're gonna take it up and half. You gotta wash that if you want the factory path. You gotta make a new thing like the path train using your brain. If you wanna get outside of the membrane, drain, but the drain revises. Capital takes it all and then supersizes. Boom, ha! Ariman, Satan, the center, reducing into material venting, huh? But if the love that we take can actually expand the bodies that we make, create a new path, make it all right, and walking on the grid up and down tonight. With love in your step, every voice can go clear. Get that stuff in the rear view mirror. It is closer than it appears, though, shit. And if you want to quit, you got to go legit with the love dub, love dubby boom box in the beat of the heart. An electromagnetic frequency we can all start getting all of the lines from all of the times and everything that glows in your mind. You can let it glow, let it grow, son, let it beat up. And the vision, if you want to expand, you can bring it all like vision to fusion. Never confusion, never to losing. And if you're gonna make it every single day awaken, take in, take it out and token. Not just a token for the words that I've spoken. Just love it. Wow. Thank, Thank you, everybody. You. Let's walk.